Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is August 12th, Wednesday, August 12th, and today we are reading in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the chapter A Vision for You, and we are at page 154 at paragraph 3, starting, of course, he couldn't drink. Today's readers are, and thank you so much for your service, Betty W., Donna M., Rachel N. M., Deborah S., and Katie F. The reference number for yesterday's uh, Tuesday, August 11th, the reference number is 7905. That is 7905. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with a public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Betty W. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Betty. Good morning, Amy, and uh, thank you for leading our meeting today, and good morning, visionaries. Thank you for sharing this time with me. I'm Betty W. from Central New York. I'm, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Having had a spiritual awakening, 12, as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Betty. I will now ask, for Donna M. to read the 12 Traditions. Go ahead, Donna. Hi, good morning. This is Donna M., grateful uh, compulsive overeater from Wisconsin. These are the 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction, rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much. Thank you, Don. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go way over, you're going to hear me say the word time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topics. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the chapter of Vision for You on page 154. We're going to start at the third paragraph for context and then move on to the next one. And I'm going to ask Rachel and M to start us off. Go ahead, Rachel. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, all. This is Rachel and M. I'm a thankful, recovered, compulsive overeater and anorexic from Ohio. Of course, he couldn't drink but why not sit hopefully at a table, a bottle of ginger ale before him? After all, had he not been sober six months now? Perhaps he could handle, say, three drinks, no more. Fear gripped him. He was on thin ice. Again, it was the old insidious insanity, that first drink. With a shiver, he turned away and walked down the lobby to the church directory. Music and gay chatter still floated to him from the bar. But what about his responsibilities, his family and the men who would die because they would not know how to get well? Ah, yes, those other alcoholics. There must be many such in this town. He would phone a clergyman. His sanity returned and he thanked God. 
selecting a church at random from the directory, he stepped into a booth and lifted the receiver. I am excited about this paragraph. It gives such clear directions for when the insanity returns and um, temptation to the old lifestyle looks um, appealing. The first thing he did to turn him to God was to think about somebody else. And that's pretty easy to do. And I like, like he did, to think first of my family and then of um, others who are dying of the disease that I have. And I just think it's amazing. His, his sanity returned and he thanked God. We are powerless to have our sanity come back to us. But praise God, he has and will do it for us. Um, it's, just, it's just as simple as that. He just will do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And that's all I have. I'll pass. Charles H. from New York. This is Larry. Karen H. Amy, we don't hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm talking away while I was muted. Beg pardon. So I've got Charles H., Larry K., Nessa. Sharon H. Sharon H. Vasa O. And Vasa O. Let's start with those. So Charles H., you are up. Thank you, Amy, for your service. Charles H., a recovered visionary. Thank you, God, for waking me up another morning uh, with your willingness. So I want to speak. Um, there's a lot here packed um, in this fourth paragraph. But what about his res- responsibilities? Ah, yes, those other alcoholics. I want to, you know, in this program, you know, this program is a, day, it's a, a daily reprieve, right? So I want to take something back. You know, let me let me act like I'm a quarterback. I threw a pass. I want to take back this speech that I made last week. Um, and I thank God, yeah, those other those other alcoholics. You know, I picked up a, a face-to-face pharmacy the other day, and he's like, you know, that let let's be that and compete. You know, you know, the love that I get from the the, the twelve steps as laid out in the textbook. You know, like. Unfortunately, sometimes OA has clicked up, right? Clicked up. So, you know, there was a, there was some newcomers in there that they felt some type of way. They were baffled. They didn't understand. And I took like five, ten minutes to talk with them and link them up with some, you know, other um, young ladies that can, you know, help them out and stuff like that. And that's the love that we get in OA. So I'm going to take back the fact that, yes, we need my responsibility as getting this message. You know, I live in New York City here. You know, X amount meetings all day, and yes, they're dying in those meetings, man. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's self-righteous. I'm saying, you know, they talk about their cat, they talk about their boyfriend, they talk about their job, and they're not talking about the program of action. I was able to say in my three-minute share that this is what we do, and I was telling about the doc's opinion. I even took the doctor through the doc's opinion right after the uh, phone call yesterday. It was uh, astonishing. It was amazing. It was electric. So, yeah, I do have a responsibility, you know, to, to carry this message, you know, and thank God for that phone, man. Thank, 
God for Bill W. making that walk up to the uh, church directory and doing what he do. But that's what I do every day today. Thank you, Bill W. I thank you ahead of time, and thank you, Amy, for your service. I pass. Thank you, Charles H. Larry K., go ahead, please. Amy, thanks so much. Uh, Larry K., recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, you know, so here, here it says again, uh, you know, but what about his responsibilities, his family and the men who would die because they would not know how to get well? Ah, yes, those other alcoholics. And, you know, it, 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 you know this, this, that particular uh, sentence there really resonates with me because um, I've known just in program, um, I've known um, um, actually sev- several people that, that unfortunately have died uh, in this disease. And, uh, you know, so I think what, you, you know, what, what that impresses upon me is that I do have a responsibility um, that when someone, you know, reaches out to be able to carry this message. And, you know, not everybody, I, I, I remember what it felt like not to be ready um, to hear the message, you know, because um, I was a very unlovely creature in my disease. You know, I knew what was, what was right for me, and I knew what was right for you, and I knew how I wanted to be sponsored, and I knew how I wanted the message um, articulated in, in a way that was palatable to me. You know, today, you know, with that, though, you know, juxtaposed with that is, is, is our commitment to have um, love and tolerance and acceptance. And sometimes that's tough. But, but here was Bill, and, you know, when he was faced with that, uh, you know, that urge, perhaps, uh, you know, to, to, to walk into that, to that uh, bar just off the hotel lobby, you know, in reflecting back, he thought about, what about my responsibilities? And, you know, there, there are recovered people on this line that, um, that think about their responsibilities, you know, to the best of their ability. And, uh, and, and, and that is part of this change. You know, we, <laughs> I was not thinking about my responsibilities <clears throat> prior to having had this change as the result of these steps. I was thinking about myself, <laughs> you know, I mean, that was the, the, the subject that I was uh, expert at is myself, me, myself, and I. And today, thank God, you know, um, God has changed me in a way where, where I, I am able to think about other people and, and, and try to carry this message. It's the steps that will get you well. Um, the, the reason I know that is because it was the steps that got me well. That's what got me well. And it's God that uh, made the change in my life, and it's God that keeps me well as long as I remain faithful to my higher power. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Nessa, Nessa R., please go ahead. Hi, good morning. My name is Nessa R., recovered in um, Toronto, Canada. Wow, what are the odds that um, um, we're all sharing on um, this first sentence? What about his responsibility, his family? Um, because these were, this was actually part of the frothy emotional appeal that went in one year and out the other when I was in um, active addiction. You know, I, uh, the only fights that my husband and I had was, were over my, my eating and my weight. And, 
you know, the arguments went like, you know, you have a beautiful family, beautiful children. You want to live a long life for them. You want to be healthy to be able to keep up with them, to play with them. You know, what about your family, your job, all these things. And, you know, all that went to my sick, actively addicted mind was my responsibilities, my family, all this. Those are the, ish, the reasons I actually eat. If only my life was this different, I wouldn't eat. So how come um, it was different for Bill here? How come this uh, frothy emotional appeal worked for Bill here? And there's a big difference. Here, Bill is recovered. He has gone through the steps and he is recovered. And he can tell the true from the false. You know, back in active addiction, um, I couldn't differentiate the true from the false. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't pick my children over, over a slice of cheesecake. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was nuts. Um, and so what is the difference now? Um, recovery. Now that I am recovered, now that I have been through the steps and therefore achieved recovery, and, you know, God is, an, is part of my life, now these arguments make a lot of sense. And these arguments are what keep me in recovery because I know that for sure I have another binge in me, but I, have, I, I don't know with the same certainty. Actually, I don't know at all that I actually have another recovery in me. And these are very, very powerful reasons to stay recovered. Uh, my responsibilities, my family, reasons that um, I disregarded completely when I was in active addiction. You know, thank God that I, I don't have to do that. Thank God that I can I can see what's important in life and what's not important in life and make my choices accordingly. And um, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa. Sharon H. Go ahead, please. Thank you, Amy. This is Sharon H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. But what about his responsibilities, his family, and the men excuse me, setting the timer, his family and the men who would die because they would not know how to get well. Yes, those other alcoholics. There must be many such in this town. He would phone a clergyman. His sanity returned and he thanked God. And selecting a church at random from the directory, he stepped into a booth and lifted the receiver. And that's why, by God's grace, we are all here today because of what Bill chose to do in that moment. And uh, just reflecting a little bit on the paragraph before, we just saw that here he was, barely sober six months, um, a business deal that he thought was going to set him back on his feet financially, totally broke down, uh, even when a lawsuit. And so he comes down and he hears the bar, the gay bar people in there, and he's thinking, well, maybe I could just sit in there and maybe just have a ginger ale or something. Or maybe I could handle three drinks, no more. And he realized then that the fear gripped him. He was on thin ice, and that was uh, the fear of God's grace. Uh, he had a choice to make, and uh, this is a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And so the mind is that obsessive mind that will continue to go back and lie to us and say, "Okay, I can, I can do it this time. I'll just, I'll just sit there. I'll just have a ginger ale, like Jim was gonna." have a sandwich and a little whiskey in his milk. I can just identify so much with this. Um, but now um, he has turned his life over to God. 
he knows that he does have a choice. Before, he didn't know that. I didn't either. Man, the food was in my mouth before I even gave it a second thought. So um, this just means so much to me today that to see the difference between going back again and again to the insanity or choosing to trust in God in the moment and do the next right thing, which is what he did. And I'm so grateful he did. I'm so grateful that that's what he chose to do. And I am so grateful today that God is restoring my mind to sanity and, um, and that I do realize today to the core of my being that I do have a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body when it comes to the food. I, I did not believe that until I started listening to this meeting. And by God's grace, they were in the doctor's opinion in July of 2012 when I began listening on this line. And this will work for all of us. We just need to follow the directions in this book, trust God, clean house, and then we can be of service to others, just like he, this was the beginning of him being of service to Dr. Bob, who was, two of them were going to be the co-founders of this program that we all receive all these amazing benefits from today, so many years later. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Amy. Thank you, Sharon. Vasa, you're up. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Amy, for your service, and I'm grateful. Recover compulsive reader calling from Massachusetts, and I love this paragraph also, but what about the, his responsibilities, his family and men who would die because they would not know how to get well? And believe me, I wanted to save everybody, you know, when I came in, you know, because I knew the pain that I was going through, and I wanted to help everybody else. And again, you know, I can only extend my hand to others, but I cannot do their recovery. And I've learned that from, you know, from my own experience working with others. But uh, I had a three-year-old when I came in the program, and I had two other older children. And um, if I did not come in the program, I, I would, these kids would have never, I would have never been the same person person that I am today, I wouldn't have been able to see them grow up, you know, and uh, and just, you know, to see them go through school in a healthy way, you know. Maybe I wouldn't have been dead yet, you know, but I would, I would have been suffering, you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually, in every way. Yes, uh, the temptation did come back when I became Amsterdam, but, you know, I, I did not I did not act on it. The sanity was setting in for me. I remember saying if I pick pick up one I'm just gonna die. So why bother? I don't wanna die. And and I have seen people in the program that gradually dying with this um, disease. I have um, you know, I've ex have had an experience with a person that stop coming, and she became sicker and sicker, and they found her dead in her apartment, surrounded with the food all around the counters and all in the sink and everywhere. What a sad story. And here Bill was um, sober for six months, and still, you know, being abstinent, life is not going to be perfect. We have, got, we have to go through life as God you know, gives it to us one day at a time, and uh, and help others. And I, I know for me is um, 
follow the directions, clean house, and and help others, you know, and that's my goal. I'm just so grateful to my higher power, which I call God, that brought me to the big book, to the solution. As a matter of fact, we were working on chapters, um, on that chapter last night, the solution of my meeting. So I uh, thank you very much for letting me share in that path. Thank you, Vasa O. Who else? I'd like to open it up for who else would like to share on this uh, paragraph, please. Hello, Rachel W. Amy, this is Lisa H. Rachel W. Lisa H. I'm going to put my name down there, too. Who else would like to share? I've got Rachel W. Lisa H. I heard somebody else. Chrissy M. Okay, we've got Rachel, uh, Raquel. Yeah, Raquel E. I got it, Raquel E. Okay, Rachel. Okay, God bless. Rachel, Lisa, Christian, Raquel E, Amy G. All right, go ahead, Rachel. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, everyone. This is Rachel W., Recover Compulsive Overeater, calling from New York, and um. You know, these two paragraphs, what's, what's so wondrous about them and, and what we're actually seeing is the 12 steps in action. Because at first, you know, Bill, he's, he's, he smashes the delusion that he's like other people. He's not like those people, you know, enjoying the, the music and the chatter. He, he knows. He inherently knows. He, I've got, he's, that delusion is smashed. And he comes to believe that there's something greater, you know, and he's willing to put his life into, into this higher power's hands. And then he, he sees what he's doing wrong. You know, he sees that wrong thought, you know, checks himself for the thought. And then he, he um, becomes, you know, in service to others. And then he thanks God, you know, and he's in he's in a different state and he's able to go out and do service and work with other people. And to me, you know, this, this shows, um, this is the exact opposite of what happens when I'm in the food, when I'm in the addiction. Um, I, I block those messages. You know, it's like, you know, God is constantly sending me and sending all of us, you know, all kinds of, all kinds of messages of how to be better and how to be greater. But you know what? Those messages are so subtle and so silent and, and, and so, you know, quiet. You know, and I remember in the early days um, having to really get in tune with the voices in my head because the voices of my disease are so loud, you know, and that's how I knew how to tell the difference because if there was a loud voice in my head, you know, telling me what to do, then I knew it was the voice of the disease. But if I, once I came into program and started working these steps and put the food down, um, you know, first, you know, put the food down and could actually, you know, hear, you know, a higher sense of self talking to me, um, then I could, I could tell and I could actually speak to my disease and say, no, you know what, I'm not going to listen to you right now. And, and, um, and, you know, so it's just about getting in touch with that intuitive voice that's always there. But but the question is, am I tuned into it? You know, do I see, you know, what God wants from me? And, and regarding my responsibilities, you know, to me, a, a big part of coming out of the relapse I had last year was, was realizing that, you know what, at the end of time when my life flashes before my eyes, like, I don't want to see myself in the food. You know, I want to see myself recovering, struggling, you know, yeah, it's, it's not easy, it's hard. I mean, Bill went through a lot in this moment. You know, he went through quite a bit, but that I'd much rather, you know, my family and, and the people around that I'm responsible to, including, in, you know, in the rooms, I'd rather be struggling, you know, than, than, um, than that, that giving in. And just to end off, that, that I want to say that, um, 
you know, the more everything is about taking the steps literally, meaning whichever way I go, whichever step I choose to go in, that's how I'm strengthening myself. So when I take the step like Bill did here and I actually turn away and do the physical act of turning away and helping other people, it strengthens me to continue doing that in everything I do. And, um, you know, thank God for this program and, and thank God for all of you on the line who are doing the same thing every day. So thank you so much for allowing me to share. Thank you, Rachel, and thank you for everyone who's been staying right on that three-minute mark. Much appreciated. Elisa H., please go ahead. Good morning, um, Amy. Good morning, A Vision for You. This is Lisa H., uh, newly recovered in West Tennessee. Um, and the thing that I am so drawn to, actually, in both of these paragraphs is the word sanity um, or insanity. And I know you've heard the definition. People say that definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And I spent decades trying everything, trying to, and and again, I would, you know, lose a certain amount of weight and gain it back and do it again. And I had no, I mean, it wasn't until I was able to put down the food, um, start to trust God that um, sanity returned. And I had to look up the definition of insanity and it says, the ability to think and behave in a normal and rational manner, sound mental health. And I I realized, again, for decades, I lived in this um, abnormal, you know, what I thought was rational, um, but I couldn't see anything because I was so, um, what I say, I was sort of in this sugar haze. I was in a sugar coma and now um, being recovered and having worked the steps and really um, surrendering uh, the food, surrendering everything. I never thought God was interested in the food, um, but having surrendered all that, um, I actually have some sanity in my life again, which I am so grateful for. Anyway, thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Lisa. Go ahead, Chrissy M. Good morning, Chrissy M. Recovered compulsive over here in anorexic from New Jersey. Um, I I was think this was perfect this reading this morning because I was just so aware yesterday of my tendency when things aren't going my way to want to fall to just retreat from the world and just collapse into myself, you know, and, and a really effective tool for collapsing into myself when the world wasn't going my way and I didn't want to accept life on life's terms was, was to seek comfort and ease in food. And in my case, at one time in my life, alcohol and food and, you know, there's, there's bunches of ways that I could fall with, fall into myself and retreat from the world because I'm just, you know, it just didn't go my way and I'm taking my Barbie dolls and I'm going home. And going home to me is collapsing into myself, retreating into into myself and shutting off the world. And there's no better way to do that. You know, I've, I've found very, very constructive ways, but my favorite way was TV and food. 
you know, just to eat in front of the TV and block out the world. That was that was the way until it didn't work anymore, thank God. But in that moment when I'm given the choice to collapse within myself, I've been given the grace, the grace that, that we see, like, so poignantly demonstrated in this, that that one insight, that one moment of clarity and you know that's that is the grace and I, I do believe we, we have that is the our defense against the next bite and the next drink when when we're practicing this program on a on a regular basis we we get those moments of clarity where we could say rather than collapse within myself I'm gonna make a phone call. I'm gonna seek to work this step, um, this twelfth step or this whatever step needs to be worked. And and again, I'm brought back to sanity and back among the, the world of the living. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Chrissy. Raquel, go ahead, Raquel. Hello. I can hear you, Raquel. Loud and clear. Go ahead. Wonderful. I just set my timer so you will not have to remind me. Because I get so excited when I talk with my friends, my dear friends from all over. Thank you, you for being there, and thank you, everybody who's on the line. Um, I, I wanted already yesterday to relate to the, the paragraph. Of course, he couldn't drink, but why not sit hopefully at the table a bottle of ginger ale before him? Oh, I have here a little comment uh, in my book, which is the third uh, edition um, uh, from... July 2013, from Leah, I wrote down for myself, here he's inviting the disease to come back in. Really, this is an invitation. Poor Bill, I so feel for him sitting there and thinking, why can't I just sit there and just have a bottle of ginger ale before me? There's no harm in it. But look, look what's coming in, what's coming in next. I think nothing short of a miracle happened to him because... Even the next sentence, after all, had we not been sober six months now, even remembering that, he's only bringing this as more support for yes, going in there and having the bottle of ginger ale. It's not recovery that is speaking here, as far as I understand. After all, had we not been sober six months now, so I can say to myself, so I have now, today is exactly six, mu- six years and nine months today. 12th of December 2008 is when I started my my sobriety and my abstinence. And here I can say, say too, I have six years. What's the, you know, things are difficult now. You know, how will it hurt a little, a little bit? A bottle of ginger ale. But look at the next thought. He had six months, and now what comes? Well, three drinks, no more. What happened in the in, in between the bottle of ginger ale and the three dreams that suddenly happened to his head? What came? What happened here? How how did the the disease be invited in during the week? The next thought, the next thought wasn't about ginger ale. It was about three dreams. Who stepped in here? Nothing less than a miracle. It's not his six months. It's not his experience. It's not his awakening. I think God was at the helm. 
just that step thing because I know it. I know that my disease, I have a visual. It's sitting there in the corner with its fingernail dripping blood from my heart, waiting for me when, when, when he'll be able to attack me again. And I cannot rely on anybody but God because life is life. Happy, joyous, and free or not, life is life and things do happen. So how he turned away, God brought him away from there and into the good thoughts of how he's going to help others. And my angel went off. So I want to thank you again, all of you. More power to everybody who is doing this good job. And I pass. Thank you, Raquel, for sharing. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and uh, grateful from Maryland. Uh, what I love about this, this paragraph, you know, he would call, he would phone a clergyman and his sanity returned and he thanked God. You know, we're seeing this process of this program, this, you know, this, 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 this program at work. And what I like is it just shows you, you know, that, that Bill wasn't struck sober. You know, he had to work this program. We, we have to work this program. And, you know, he realizes with fear, when fear gripped him, that he is on thin ice because his thinking is not good. And what's beautiful is that he's been restored to sanity because his sanity returns. You know, I heard in one of the special editions, and I've never forgotten it, it says, you know, he said, I'm a compulsive overeater. That's not going to change. Recovered, never cured. So I may get that first thought about the food calling to me, just like the bar and the happy hour called to Bill. But what I am responsible for is the second thought. I'm not responsible for the first, but I darn well am responsible for the second thought. And what that means to me is that if something calls to me, like, you know, I see a binge food that wasn't a binge food when I was binging, and I see to myself, well, oh, wouldn't that be great? Or perhaps, or maybe, I think these words, perhaps, maybe, what if, should be classified as four-letter words because they lead me down that path of triggering that mental obsession and starting to thinking about those different things, like, what would that binge food feel like? But then the second thought, the sanity returns because I've worked this program, like my life depends upon it. I've gone through the process of the 12 steps, and then sanity returns. And in between the first and the second thought, I think, oh, no, that's not where I'm going. And I don't dwell on those thoughts. I don't continue. But here we have Bill, only six months sober. He has no formalized steps. He's trying to work this program by sharing and carrying the message. He knows that nothing will ensure immunity from his continuing to drink and to work with another alcoholic. So fears grips him, but sanity returns. And then he goes ahead and says, you know what? I got to turn away from this and I got to go work with somebody else because that's the only way I'm going to stay sober. So he turns away. He takes an action. Sanity returns. And that's what I love is that he takes the action. He makes a choice like someone else says, and he takes an action to move away from those thoughts, and he picks up the phone to call a clergyman. His sanity returns, and then he thanks God. I mean, is that not the program at work? He doesn't, think, he doesn't say, oh, pat myself on the back, look what I did, I fixed myself. He's thinking, but by the grace of God and what I have learned so far, I have been saved. i got to go call somebody because I can't fix myself. You know, remember in that paragraph, music and gay chatter still floated to him from the bar. He could still be easily tempted, but he is no more because sanity has been returned. He has tapped into that higher power, that source bigger than himself, and he has been restored to sanity. Not responsible for the first, the first thought, but responsible for the second. And with that, I'll pass. Who else would like to share on the paragraph? 
Janice B. in Vermont. Janice B. Michelle, no, So I missed that next next second name there. Michelle. Michelle. Judy F. Michelle. Judy F. So I've got Janice, Michelle, and Sally A. Let's go with that. Or I could take one more. Someone has. Sorry, who was that? Carolyn H. Carolyn H. Okay, so Janice, Michelle, Judy, Sally, and Carolyn. Janice, go ahead, please. Hey, good morning, everybody. This is Janice B., Recovered Compulsive Reader in Vermont. And um, I would like to um, point out here that um, he, he didn't think his way out of this. He took an action. And I know in my past, and I'm still working on, still working on it, that um, I tried to think my way out of everything. I, um, you know, I would, I would think because it was easy, and uh, that would be like isolating, and I would, um, because I was afraid to um, reach out and. Um, ask for help or give help to others and um that that was half measured measures availed me nothing so um so it's the action it's the action um action is the way out of um in taking responsibility for my actions is um is is what works first for myself because um and then really to be helping other people and thank you and I pass thank you Janice. go ahead Michelle hi Amy thanks for your service this is Michelle L in Delaware um gratefully recovered for today I just love the um description of what was happening with Bill here and his thinking and and the temptation to go into the bar. And the me I could just really sit, resonates with me because every time, anytime I hear myself saying that, thinking that, maybe I could just have this or that. It's that disease talking. And I don't trust it. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it, it is pausing, just like Bill did. And turning my attention to someone else that I can help. Getting out of myself. Um, it's taken a while to be able to identify that. But every time I do it, and I, I the, the saying, um, the slogan, doing the next right thing, really comes to mind more and more these days. It truly is about, I can't always control my first impulse or thought. But then I, I can pause. And I have a choice there. And thank God Bill chose to walk the other direction. I'm just so grateful for that. And with that, I pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Michelle. Judy F. Good morning, Amy. Can you hear me? Good morning. Yes, I can. 
Thank you for your service, Amy. This is Judy F., compulsive reader, recovered in Massachusetts. I just, I'm, I just get so excited about this because it, it one shows what a miracle this program is to take a, a sick mind and God changes it to a healthy mind to really think those uh, the same thoughts. Um, and then it reminds me of what God has done in my life and in my mind. Because in the paragraph before, it, it does, you know, for someone who's not a compostable reader, an alcoholic, yeah, what's the problem? Just go and have a ginger ale. There's no, there's no alcohol in that. Why not? And, yeah, you've been six months uh, sober now. And, but if you're a real alcoholic or a real compostable reader like I was, yeah, I'd be absent for six months. I would have lost my weight. I had no desire to have my binge foods, flour and sugar, or quantity. Why would I? And there again, I would have just one, and then I'd be off and running. And here in this next paragraph, sanity returns. And to get to that part, we have to know that we are insane. With that mental obsession, that's our insanity thinking that it'll be different, thinking that one won't hurt, thinking that all this time I can do it, and that God does that. That's what this program does. It returns us to sanity. It gives us a higher power so that we can make right decisions and then follow that with right action. And I'm just so grateful for these steps that get to that higher power, that clear the wreckage, that give us that clear channel for God. Because if I don't have a clear channel for God, I'm going to go back to my sick thinking. And today, one day at a time, as I get up in the morning, I have my time with my higher power, and I get on my day. And even yesterday, last night, I was weighing and measuring my food, and and it was um, I had a little extra, 4.2 ounces of protein. And I went, oh, come on, what's 0.2? But it's, you know, I'm not going to save 0.2. I hate throwing away food. And then that. The second thought came, yes, but point two is not enough, and you'll want more, and it'll set up that craving. So thank you, God. I flew it away, had a wonderful meal with God, and I can wake up and be a service to God and others. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy F. Sally, you are up. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, a vision for you. Sally A. in South Jersey. So... What about his responsibilities, his family, the men who would die because they would not know how to get well? And, you know, for so many years I was in this program and did not know how to get well and did not realize that the the answer, that the solution would be found here in this instruction manual of this precious big book that Bill was so key in um, contributing and um, and and writing with these other hundred fellows that he worked with. And so he had a responsibility and he took that responsibility seriously. And sadly, I don't think it's enough to keep me abstinent to, to know that I have a responsibility now that I know, um, because I think that I am so selfish and so self-absorbed. I don't think it would keep me abstinent, but here, this man, these, these thoughts, um, all action is born in thought. These thoughts, his thinking, is what led him to turn 
and go in a different direction than where he was heading, which was to the bar, and instead to turn to a phone booth and to a clergyman. And here we see this guy, his sanity returned, and he thanked God and selecting a church at random. And this is what I want to speak to, the word random. He selected a church at random from the directory. And there we see the complete surrender, random. He put himself in God's hands. This book, over and over, I love the fact that it uses the expression in God's hands. On page 80, 100, 120, and page 124, it uses the expression in God's hands. It's a very precious thought to think that we are in God's hands, that, that in truth, yeah, a lot of people who are not recovered are thinking, I want it, I want it. But did you know that your God wants you recovered more than you want it? God wants me recovered because God wants me in a right relationship with God and not in a sick relationship with food. And so he selected a church at random. He surrendered himself into God's hands from the directory. He stepped into the booth and lifted the receiver. That's all at random in God's hands. Thanks for letting me share. With that, I pass. Thank you, Sally A. Carolyn H. Go ahead, please. Thank you so much, Amy, for leading us. You know, for for me, it was um, selecting a church at random. Well, there's no such thing as random. There are no coincidences in life. For me, they're all considered God incidences because every time an old thought comes into my head, I know that it's God helping me to see that I am getting away and I am losing sight of what's truly important and I need to come back. And he guides me, whether it be gently or whether he hits me with a two-by-four across the back of my head, he lets me know when I need to turn around and come back. And today one of my practices is, is that when old thoughts come into my head or I'm in a situation that's getting me upset, I stop and I hit that pause button, pray and use spiritual energy, and I say, okay, where is God right now in my life? When did I push him to the back burner and not make him the most important thing? And that is so beautiful, and it is so, to me, in my face in this paragraph, but what about his responsibility? And knowing that he heard and listened and stopped long enough to hear God saying to him, come on, get off your butt. You've got to go do something. You've got to help somebody else because I have a bigger, better plan for you. And it's not staying drunk. It's about helping other people see that I have to be the most important thing in their life. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Carolyn. We have time for... Maybe two, one, maybe two shares. Would someone like to chime in? Press star one to unmute. Elizabeth M. from New Hampshire. Elizabeth M. Yes. Elizabeth M. And who was the other person? Kim G. Kim G. 
Okay, if you guys uh, keep it, you know, quick, we should be able to get both of you in. Elizabeth M., go ahead, please. Thanks. I'll be brief. Um, I just wanted to refer to this, the first paragraph we read, the sentence where it said he shivered. With a shiver, he turned away and walked down the lobby. And for me, that's a really important sentence. And I think that, in my case, it allows me to do the next paragraph, which is to think, to have some clarity. Because something's happened for me with the food where I am now recoiling. I didn't used to. I used to have an abstinence that was pure white knuckling. And I just kept thinking, when am I ever going to get this recoiling? And that shiver to me represents the recoiling that I'm starting to do in my mental obsession when I have the thoughts. And when I can recoil, when I can have that shiver and turn and walk away, then I have some room in my thoughts. I know that God then God gives me that shiver and God gives me the room to think, what do I need to do now? And then God gives me thoughts, like maybe I can help someone else. But without that shiver, without that recoiling, which for me is a, really a fundamental part of step one, and I have for six years longed for that, and the fact that I'm getting it now feels like such a miracle from God. So I just wanted to share that, and with that I pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Michelle. Kim G, wrap us up, please. Thanks, Amy. Oh, goodness, I'm trying to get into my computer here. Um, you know, I, I'm just so grateful that Bill had a responsibility when he talks about his responsibility. You know, we often talk about the serenity prayer with the we, the we of the program. But I love the OA responsibility pledge. It says, always to extend the hand and heart of OA to all who share my compulsion. For this, I am responsible. And I take that very seriously. I am responsible for that. You know, why do I attend a vision for you every meeting, every day? Because I feel responsible to this fellowship. You know, are we, are we doing that in our meetings? Are we, are we looking at our formats? Are we carrying the message? Am I inconveniencing myself in order so people know who are suffering from this disease know there is a solution? So I just wanted to point that out. It's interesting that with the serenity prayer is we. But the OA responsibility is I. So to ask myself on a daily basis, what am I doing for the compulsive overeater who still suffers today? And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And thank you, everyone who has shared. Uh, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following our closing. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Would Devorah S., could you please take us out with a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes. Good morning. This is Devorah S. in New Jersey. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. 
May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you.